Kilda, welcome to another episode of Skeezy Bees. Um, today I'm hoping to continue a bit of a conspiratorial talk. Um, I think where last we left our heroes, um, it's post-World War II, and the United States of America and Britain have begun working with former arms of the National Socialist and Imperial Japanese state. Um, there's this impression given that, like, Western Germany... Um, and Japan were essentially leveled and like the bombing campaigns I think play an important role in this and part of the reason um, going to get fucking relevantly political now I think part of the reason we see um, aerial bombing as like a cleaner form of terror than say suicide bombing or um, shooting attacks um Okay, I'll, I'll explain that. Um, so, some of you may be following coverage of the um, Israel-Hamas war. Um, well, calling it a war is maybe not fully accurate. Um, in, in Gaza, or Gaza, I don't know, I've heard both. Um, and, like, there's this weird framing where it's like, oh these people going over the border and, um, you know, you know, doing legitimately awful things, you know, killing, um, civilians, um, and so forth, and, and shooting sprees, uh, wow, so barbaric, but then sort of, like, dropping 2,000 bombs, um, 2,000 ton bombs, um, from, like, a few thousand meters high, and just, like, turning an apartment building and the people inside it into mist um that's fine that's like that's all good um well maybe not all good but that's just kind of like i don't know it's like a bit depersonalized almost it's sort of like it's like oh well they're using precision weapons they're they're precision targeting uh, that baby in the crib kind of thing um and like i think the real the excellent highlighting moment of this was like the the 30 to 40 decapitated babies um fake propaganda it was revealed to be fake um where you know that went around the world like that fucking screamed around the world that was headlines um you know 30 to 40 babies decapitated by violent hamas um and that was you know broadly condemned as any decapitation of babies should be condemned but then the actual videos the actual proof of fucking babies with their heads off is coming from palestine where these massive bombs are being dropped in residential areas um and there's sort of like no similar kind of cry out there but i think part of that myth was built during World War II, especially in America. Um, America being, with the, I think, the one nation in the world that has bombed others from the sky, but not been bombed itself meaningfully. 
um, unless you count, I guess, 9-11. So there's this sort of like, there's this abstract notion to it, there's this like idea that like, oh, well they know that if they just give up the bombing stops, so they're choosing to accept it, right? Like that kind of idea, and there's this idea that like, from the ashes of bombing, you get good, clean, um, admirable states like Germany and like Japan, which are, you know, widely well regarded today, and kind of can't blame people for that. Um, Germany and Japan seem like pretty nice places to live. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there, there was like, there was just like the idea that through the cleansing fires of war, the Japanese and German nations had just been like reduced to ash and then from those ashes rose these like perfect democracies um, shortly after. That's not, that's not the case. Um, what happened was in both countries, um, well West Germany, East Germany they did fucking, they did fucking break that shit down and rebuild it from scratch. Um, and it was fucking painful. Um, but yeah, West Germany and Japan, basically, they just put a new coat of paint on. The same structures, the same bureaucracies. Um, they obviously, you know, removed the like Department of War Crimes, um, but the base structure remained the same. And 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 that ends up leading to some fucking insane um, appointments. Um, and, and in the corporate world as well. We can't forget the corporate world. So, like, after World War II, the head of Coke in Germany, but you know, the person partly responsible for the creation of Fanta, um, they, the Germans had to make Fanta because they ran out of Coke syrup. And so they took, the, like, um, sugar beet offcuts and boiled them to make the original, like, Fanta syrup. Um, anyway... Um, the, 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 the person who'd been in charge of Coke during World War II, Coke Germany in World War II, um, who, like, just to list a couple of quick crimes, um, he was part of the war spoils department in the Nazi Germany government, and if that doesn't make sense to you, the war spoils department was the group responsible for dividing up stolen factories, dividing up um, goods and homes and all sorts taken from Jewish families um, among good, nice Germans. So that was one part of the war this guy was involved with, but also um, very happily used slave labor to make fucking coke. Um, Slave labor from concentration camps. Um, Yeah. That guy, almost immediately after the war, gets promoted to the head of Coke Europe. Because his profits were insane. You know, he did a good job. Um, He kept the Coke flowing the whole year, the the whole war. Like, fuck, why not? Um, So that's like, you know, one little, little fucked, little fucked thing there. Another one was, uh, fuck, and I forget what year this happened, but too soon after the end of World War II, the head of NATO in Western Europe, so the head of, like, the combined militaries of Western Europe, 
was a former Nazi general. Um, so that's cool. Um, and yeah, there's this part of why we end up with this situation. Um, well, it's not part of like there was sort of like a motivated reasoning, right? Um, so because immediately after World War II, everyone is trying to like figure out like how the fuck, why the fuck did the Holocaust happen? Now, a big barrier to everyone kind of understanding the Holocaust is like we literally didn't really understand racism. Like at that time, scientific racism was still pretty popular. Um, and like you've got things like you know the British Empire still being around, like the French still own Algeria and Vietnam at this point, like um, fucking uh, the the Belgians still own Congo, like it's it's fucked, it's fucked, like racism is just like accepted, um, if not explicitly, then implicitly. And so after the war, they're like, oh, fuck, oh, how did this happen? How could, how could someone just feed, like, fucking millions of people into this, like, mechanical death machine? And, like, instead of doing some, you know, critical self-reflection and being like, oh, well, maybe, like, the end point of the idea that some people are better than others is, um, we should put the people who aren't as good into a fucking wood chipper, um instead of that um basically people were just like oh it was like three crazy people in charge and everyone else just sort of like went along with it out of fear or out of like and and you know it's kind of funny that like the uno reverso card of racism got turned on the germans um but this idea that like that the germans were just like fucking genetically predisposed to follow orders um <laughs> like literally the just following orders meme um, and yeah, and so like very quickly after the war, they were like, oh, okay, well, like if you agree to not be a Nazi, then fuck, I guess there was like nothing wrong with you. Like, you're fucking all good. Um, and they basically just, they've got this thing called denazification, which is basically just like, I don't know. Um, I've got to double check on it, but <laughs> compared to Soviet denazification, which was just like, if you were involved in war crimes, you get shot in the back of the head. Um, the Western side of denazification was like, oh, you might get a demotion, or um, you might have to go to like a fucking kindergarten for adult Germans where someone condescendingly says racism bad. Um, well, actually, no, not racism bad, just like, don't take your racism too far, I guess. Um, and they basically just like, like a used car salesman um, getting out some cut and polish and just buffing out a few of the bumps um, on a car, just like rehabilitate the Japanese and German states. And there's this sort of like, there's this idea that like, um, the, the addition of democracy or whatever to the Japanese slash German culture or cultural psyche or whatever led to great economic success um and the in the case of the japanese a large part of this was the fact that um america kind of let them keep their colonies like 
that sounds kind of weird, but like Taiwan and South Korea were sort of placed like they were under American administration, but economically they were still serving the same roles they did before World War II to the Japanese state. Now, whereas before World War II, Japan was basically spending every spare cent and like checking behind the couch cushions for like 10 cent coins to take down to the store to get like more battleships. After World War II, America supplies all of their military needs. Like, they don't need to lift a finger. Like, every single gun, tank, plane, ship they need. America basically just is like, ah, oh, fuck, we got spares. Um, and, you know, for like the first 20, 30 fucking, I don't know how long it takes, years, it's just American soldiers. And so Japan is free to develop as an economic um, force. And that leads to, like, um, the, the fucking blue dragon meme or whatever um, where they go economically gangbusters in the 1970s because their economy is so subsidized and they've got these like client kingdoms of Taiwan and um, South Korea just feeding them labor and raw materials that they need um, they're able to just fucking explode like eventually China too like China takes on a role like like fucking like isn't that insane that like Japan spent like a decade trying to conquer China and failed utterly miserably failed um, leaving you know thousands of dead young Japanese men um, all this material and equipment just sort of lying around and then it's like 50 years later the American led global order well yeah to be fair this is like cold war so but the american sphere of influence suborns china's economy to them like the only way that china can sustain itself and grow as a country is to in part supply japan with um the like resources it needs the market it needs the factories it needs um to become, you know, a global economic power, and it's much the same in Germany, and this is, like, this is fucking crazy, like, you know, Hitler goes on this big old war conquering all of Europe, and then America just oversees the creation of the European economic community, which, because of Germany's role and power economically in Europe, because, you know, it's supposed to be, like, uh, a, a greeting of equals or like a trade alliance fucking thing um, but the EEC and eventually the European Union uh, essentially become uh, geopolitical extensions of the German state under the auspices of the American Empire um, and so once again you've got this thing where like Germany tried to conquer through force nah but in the aftermath of the war, and especially with French resistance to American hegemony, um, which sort of like ruled them out as the American puppet in Europe, Germany just gets gifted like a commanding role in European affairs. <laughs> like, fuck man, 
like the euro is like Germany's currency you know like and we, we, we and we see this um, with the financial collapses and the debt crises and like um, Portugal and Greece like ultimately it's Germany and German banks that are dictating terms to these countries it's not the European Union um, it's those countries and it's so funny that like you know the British tried to get in on it um, and were sort of successful at forming like a a splinter block opposed to Germany but ultimately like Germany is the chosen one the blessed one um, they're the ones who get all things and so you've got stuff like the Marshall Plan um, where America basically like because America like tuned up their economic engine for World War II um, and they might have overtuned it a little well no they didn't overtune it they like they spun it up extremely for World War II and it saved them from the, uh, the Great Depression like this huge injection of cash into the economy like really fucking kick-started everything but then you know after World War II they've got all this economic output but like fuck we've got no outlets and they just pour it all into Europe um, most of it into Europe the Marshall Plan just to like and like the, the thing is like oh we're rebuilding Europe after World War II but like you know very specifically just the bits of Europe that we liberated um, creating an economic advantage that Eastern Europe is still to overcome and even then most of that went to rebuilding Germany into this um, economic powerhouse which honestly has to kind of fucking suck if you're French um, and your country's been like raided and um, robbed by the Germans and then after the war the Americans are like ah you'll be fine um, like you know France still got quite a bit of reparations from Germany and shit but lol lamal um, yeah and so going back to sort of like the original thing I was talking about um after the war there's no serious effort to remove the sort of the fascist superstructure that had existed it's just sort of like we'll make the executive processes um democratic and I guess I guess the hope was and the hope like I guess I guess largely realized like credit where it's due I won't knock it um Oh, well, especially for Germany, maybe not so much for um, Japan, um, where there was this idea that, like, oh, if we institute a democratic um, legislature and executive branch, um, the um, those nations will reform to adopt democratic values, and I think largely um at least at a common level they have um there's some unfortunate political stuff going on in Germany at the moment where they're getting really fond of um parties that are basically like haha we're totally not the Nazi party and then like a little sticker peels off and you can just see a bit of a swastika underneath and they like hurriedly cover it up and they're like haha uh, you know, we, we just want to be proud to be German <laughs> um, 
so that's like kind of scary um but i definitely do think that there is like this understanding that you know democracy good but we have this period of time between 1945 and mm, 1980 maybe where hard-boiled nazis are still in positions of power throughout Germany and where hard-boiled like former imperial Japanese like um, generals and administrators and so forth are still in positions of power throughout fucking um, throughout Japan but more importantly like I guess almost like like it's just so it's so weird when you accept it that like the the, the quote unquote reward for starting these genocidal wars is to have their nations rebuilt and their former colonies or even places that weren't ever their colonies but sort of places that they had conquered um like indirectly gifted to them through uh, an economic structure that that was designed by america and like all in service of boxing in the soviet union um which is kind of crazy to think about and it's sort of like yeah um no marshall plan for the the ussr which by far and away suffered the most from um german invasion um but like in, in part i think i think there might have been like assistance offered and some assistance accepted but in part i think that was also um, Stalin's paranoia of being invaded. Uh, a paranoia that was, like, you know, largely justified by the fact that um, <laughs> several Allied generals wanted to invade the Soviet Union immediately after the end of World War II. Um, and there were definitely influential people angling towards that. Um, but yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just really fascinating how, how the end of that war, um, resolved, I guess, is the correct phrase. It's just, just like, damn. Um, yeah, so, so that's that's a whole thing um i guess like what's the importance of acknowledging this what's like why is it important to unpack this as a conspiracy theory how is this a conspiracy theory so one of the things we don't have full access to although we get snippets every single year is like shit's declassified as like people find the wrong folder in the archives and all that kind of shit is how explicit was the integration of the fascist states into the um, American hegemonic, hegemonic structure. And, like, 
the, the best example we have of this, the most open example we have of this, and this is one of those confirmed theories, this is one of those things you can fucking check up on, um, is Italy with Gladio. Um, essentially, so during World War II, the only people who really fought against the fascists, who fought against the Germans in Italy, were communists. Um, there's like this idea that like the mafia did as well that's largely a post-war fabrication um the, the mafia did crime things so like they were naturally opposed to um you know the people who were in charge of the country but they never they, were, they weren't major players in the overthrow of the fascist state in the same way that the communist partisans were and so they were immensely popular after the war because people in Italy were like, okay, um, well, we've got all these political parties. Um, all of them just kind of like did shit all during the war. The communists actually fought to try and, um, you know, fucking liberate Italy. But same thing in Greece, um, same thing in Yugoslavia. Well, Yugoslavia goes communist under Tito. Um, Greece is not allowed to. Um, and in yeah, in, in Italy, and we have the documented proof of this. The United States funds a long-term operation which lasts, like, into the 70s. And, like, some of the worst terrorist attacks in Italian history have direct links um, to Gladio-funded um, groups, um, Gladio-funded programs. Um yeah, they do everything in their power, under the table, illegally, um, away from private eyes, a uh, private eyes, public eye, to undermine the communists in Italy until they're basically like not a thing anymore. Um, yeah, so, and it's sort of like okay. What does the program in West Germany for that look like? What does the program in France for that look like? Um, what does the over program, like what does the big um, long-term planning look like? And we know enough, we know enough to know that the CIA was actively working against communism around the world. They were actively working against it. And not in a sort of, like, it often gets framed in a, like, oh, they're doing this to, like, stop the spread of totalitarianism. No, their primary targets were democratic communist movements um, in, uh, well, not just Western countries. Um, and so, like, how how integrated was that? How cognizant was that? Like, how how, how, how granular was their information and a lot of the stuff we're never going to know because the records got destroyed but like another great example to look into is what happened in fucking i think it was indonesia um there's an excellent book on this called the jakarta method um but basically in the 1960s communism was extremely popular in indonesia it was set for popular um but basically like the, the communists were going to get voted in it was like there was going to be a non-violent revolution and the communists were going to take over. The CIA funded and assisted the... And, the, like, they lay it out in the Jakarta Method. 
um, a campaign over um, fucking how long was it? Um, over a few years to wipe out the communists. In the course of this, a million communists and communist sympathizers and the families of people um, who are communist or communist sympathizers are killed by the Indonesian government with the like express support of the American state. Right? Like, like, I don't know, like, I feel like it's important to acknowledge and highlight this history for understanding the world we're in now, um, and why everything's kind of fucked up. I hope you had fun.